It's me again. Um, I've been uh, messing around with uh, finished uh, Watch Dogs 2 again, and uh, just coming up with different ideas and concepts and everything for um, moving forward. One of the one of the toughest problems I have psychologically has been not going to work and not having work on a regular basis and everything. Um, now I look around and I look at the potential job offers and everything and. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's just like I know I'm not contributing and, and, and capable of contributing in a way that these people want me to. Here's a, for instance, I've got a zip recruiter, uh, is the name of the uh, entity or organization, and uh, it appears like they do a lot of um, recruiting for uh, mostly CIA-type consultant work and everything. Then I see um, business analyst in McLean, Virginia. That's one of the uh, main offices for uh, for the CIA. Um, business analyst, business analyst too, business process associate, um, data analyst uh, for <laughs> um, looking to earn more money as a data analyst. Oh yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, so if you're not working uh, working enough with the uh, with the CAA, Uber will give you a a, 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 a job in Chantilly. <coughs> that's flattering. Um, IT Systems Analysis, Watch Floor Intelligence Analyst in Reston, Virginia. Um, there's uh, three primary locations for the CIA in, uh, in the D.C. area. Um, one's in McLean, the other one's in Chantilly, and the other one's in Reston, Virginia. Uh, so it's across, across the water there. Those are the primary locations for the CIA. So, uh, at least the primary facilities. Um, so they've got another one, Intelligence Report Officer for in Chantilly. Senior Intelligence Analyst, Exercise Planner. Um, what's that one? That one actually sounds interesting. I'm always interested in, in different jobs and everything. Russian Language Intelligence Analyst. Uh, this one requires a top secret poly. Uh, they actually uh, they'll they'll put you through a polygraph test, which is the quote unquote lie detection test and everything. Um, hunt team analyst. You know, so I'm just going. This is through the the list that I just got. So this is jobs and positions they're actually trying to get to people to come to work for them for. DTS analyst. Um, business analyst, analyst, purchasing administration, merchandise, man, master data, analyst, programmer. That, that one's in Rockville, huh? That's interesting because that's actually an association. Rockville's um, uh, some of the consultant work is uh, done for the NSA there. Uh, Fort management analysis, Fort Belvoir. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, work for a general. Generals are notorious for being pains in the asses. Um, data analyst with DOD clearance. Intelligence analyst. Facilities analyst too. Data analyst action officer. Junior business analyst. Junior business analyst. Intelligence analyst. Senior manager. Real world evidence. So, in any case, um, I'm looking at these other... Oh, okay, this one's interesting. DTS analyst, uh, F-35. Project provides support to the F-35 Lightning II Joint Strike Fighter in Crystal Crystal City, Arlington, Virginia. Um, yeah, that one doesn't sound interesting. I just, my ears perk up. Okay, so anybody, anybody 
Um, if you've ever heard of a company called Booz Allen Hamilton, they are full of shit. They are going to claim that they're actually a... Uh, <laughs> I, I found this out a, a long time ago. They're going to claim that they're a, a contractor and everything for the intelligence agencies, um, both the CIA and the, and the NSA. Now, here's the thing. They're a front firm for Indian intelligence, India Indian. So they're actually, uh, India leverages, uh, to some degree, counter-espionage techniques, and uh, they'll actually hire people uh, from the, C you know, from for quote-unquote intelligence jobs to understand more or less where the United States is when it comes down to technology and security perspective and everything. They do that by hiring people directly to work on projects and everything that they make up, um, trying to get an understanding of, of basically the mindset of, uh, of the intelligence officer and everything. So this isn't uncommon. The United States has used this tactic in various countries around the world as well. Um, and what it means is basically Booz Allen, <coughs> Booz Allen uh, Hamilton, they used to go by Booz Allen, um, they're just uh, nothing more than a consulting firm and they will never hire you as anything other than, than a consultant for it. So this is just actually uh, beware, you know, to anybody that's actually involved in intelligence or intelligence activities, if a company named Booz Allen uh, tries to contact you regarding um, any kind of uh, technology jobs or anything involving national security or anything like that, um, you're, you keep in mind, you're working for a private agency if you actually go accept a job with this company, and this company doesn't represent the United States' interests. represents represents uh, foreign interests, in particular India, India's interests. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing or a good thing. They're just basically trying to understand, you know, the state of uh, the state of the United States uh, by employing directly a lot of the people that actually, you know, are are some of the, the you know countries most bro, you know the most brightest in everything. Now, they, you know, they they seem legitimate too. You know, TSSEI clearance. You know, they know some of the clearances and everything, but they they have dated information and everything. So. Um, reason I'm saying this is, you know, here's here's actually the kind of the tell. The current state of of intelligence isn't in cyber threat, and it's not in cyber investigations. It's in leveraging um, tools and technology to make our lives better, make them more rewarding, make them more fulfilling. Now, other countries make the assumption that our media here. Um, depicts American life as as it exists here in America. So guns, they believe guns are prevalent, you know, no matter where you go and everything. That uh, people are shooting people all over the place and everything. Um, and they and they do this by an analysis of our rules of of our own country's rules and 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 at that point applying it based on their philosophical perspective of how they perceive the world. So they believe, you know, wrongly, I might add, that uh, it, just because you actually have something in the Bill of Rights that says humans are uh, people are actually aware. Uh, uh, are allowed to carry weapons um, just because that law is there. Um, they believe wrongly that uh, this this makes it so we're, um, we're we're an armed population, and that armed population results in people getting shot and killed on a regular basis. Um, all over, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about isolated incidences in remote parts of the country and everything. I'm talking about all fucking over. They believe that you can walk down the street, and if you're not armed, you're in trouble. 
and that is sincerely their belief. Well, the problem is you've got a, com a company like this, Booz Allen, that'll come over here, and they're looking for ways to actually alter the mindset, um, believing this is what we're what we're about and everything, not understanding they're trying to import their beliefs of how we actually perceive the world and everything. Does that make sense? You know, so in, in a general sense, United States, you know, we're a fairly docile country. You know, um, yes, if we're going to be invaded or if, uh, if we're actually engaged in war, I mean, you know, me, yours truly, um, person that doesn't raise arms and doesn't uh, get in fights and everything, I will absolutely fight to the death in defense of my own country. Absolutely. You know, and the same thing holds true if uh, if I'm actually, for some reason, God forbids, that I'm actually involved in a war across, you know, over overseas and everything. If I am, I will fight to the death, you know, to to stand up for what that which I believe in and everything. If 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 I feel and deem that it's that important and everything, well. To some degree, companies and countries like this, you know, have the tendency to believe that this isn't right. That that you know their perspective is is more right than than ours. You know, and this is actually what I consider a philosophical fundamental um, difference. You know, a a, con a a something that doesn't have to be a contradiction. Two people could have the same perspective of the same world and everything um, without conflict. That's uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is, you know, it, it is not contradictory to have two different perspectives of the same reality and both be ac completely accurate. So, in any case, um, Booz Allen, uh, I've seen this name um, literally at least, you know, a hundred different times and everything for various quote-unquote jobs over in Washington, D.C. They are among the numerous different front organizations that are representing the interests of other countries. So, if, if you are actually considering taking a job for them, I'm not saying don't take a job with them. I'm saying take in, take in consideration that uh, unless you're actually working directly for the NSA and actually receiving a paycheck from the NSA, in a general sense, you may not necessarily be guaranteed to actually be receiving and doing that that which is expected on and behalf of your country. So, I mean, and, and here's here's a good example. I worked for ten on a 1099 basis and everything um, for a number of years. At the same time, I was actually pulling a paycheck and everything for uh, for the NSA and everything. Well. You know, for me, it's just like, you know, it's, you know, say it actually gets paid through the treasury. You know, I mean, that's that's how you'll get paid, you know, on a, on behalf of the government and everything. You don't go through front organizations that are actually, uh, you know, capitalistically based and everything. You go through directly through the IRS and through the, through the United States Treasury, and that's who you're going to be receiving your paycheck to, through if you have a job for any of the state agencies, whether or not you're talking the CIA, the NSA, um, the IRS, or the Treasury, um, any number of other benign organizations and everything, um, you know, or, or less passive, Secretary or the uh, State Department, um, any number of different things like that. A lot of people simply say they work for the State Department when they're actually working for the, for the CIA. Um, that's just something that's commonly known. I'm not advertising anything that's giving away state secrets or anything like that. But uh, when, when you involve a third-party agency, um, you're actually uninvolving yourself from the interests of the, uh, from national security and from the government in which you're actually supposed to be working for. And I found this out the hard way myself. Um, but uh, Booz Allen is an agency that uh, is most definitively representing the interests of, the, of, uh, of India, who pays attention to our media, and uh, you know, for some reason they believe 
that uh, that we are represented by a people and population that uh, that has a tendency to shoot first and ask questions later. You know, that's that's absolutely their belief. So, you know, that's it's in my opinion that's one perspective. Um, I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. Um, for me, it's wrong. You know, it's it's not accurate for me, but for others, I believe it may be accurate, and that that accuracy is perfectly fine and everything. So, in any case, um, whenever you see a job representing a a quote unquote security based agency, whether or not it's the CIA, the NSA, Homeland Security is trying to get in there too, but they're not quite there. Um, and and you see threat investigation and or cybersecurity and that kind of stuff, um, I can guarantee you, rest assured, you are not working on behalf of the United States government. Just saying. You know, so if you're actually trying to analyze threat resources and all this other stuff and everything, well, that's bullshit. That's not what the United States represents, and all it takes is just one look at Hollywood to understand what the United States represents. I'm dead serious about that. And I'm not talking about what, what you're actually seeing through guns and weapons and all that and blowing shit up and everything. I'm talking about the entertainment. That's what, what this country represents, and that's our export. All you have to do is take a trip to basically any big city around the world and everything, and you'll see our exports contributing to populations around the world. You know, and and some of it going through illicit means, others going through through perfectly uh, legitimate means. But that's the simple fact of the matter: is that's our primary export. Now, if that export, you know, winds up, you know, um, being something that's basically about fighting in arms and that kind of stuff, well, to some degree, you know, it's what the what the population outside this country is demanding. You know, and they're demanding it because. You know, I mean, there's any number of potential reasons. Change the mindset, you know, change the collective mindset of your country and everything, you know, and you change the world. So, in any case, um, Booz Allen, Hunt Team Analyst. I should have paid attention to to that to begin with, the Hunt Team Analyst. Incident response process, including log analysis. Oh, yeah, this sounds like a really wonderful uh, leveraging of talent. Um, basic mal- malware triage. Um, so this is just more or less uh, somebody that's an uh, active certified ethical hacker. So, And this is the other funny thing, too. Whenever you see a whole list of qualifications that are necessary and everything from certification perspective and everything and this one uh, active certified ethical hacker I'm not saying this is right or wrong and everything but I think this is another indication it's another tell if you will of an organization that doesn't work for, work on behalf of the United States and and uh, her allies for the most part um, a lot of it's just smoke and mirrors. So, in any case, um, Booz Allen. Um, that's just one com- company and organization I want to make very clear to anybody that's involved in intelligence gathering uh, that uh, this isn't. Uh, it is not a United States-based company, nor does it represent the United States-based interests. So, and this is actually something that's been ongoing. They've been purporting their, their themselves to be that, but they are most definitively not. Um, another one. I don't know what started me down this change going through ZipRecruiter, right? Exercise planner, business process analyst, CACI International. Um, now, I'm not saying the NSA doesn't uh, leverage consultants and everything through third-party organizations. They most certainly do. 
but uh, that's one company they, they do not support. Uh, National Cyber Exercise and Planning Program. Okay, that's that's one possibility. See, this one's a little bit more legitimate. If you're actually talking about, um, you know, that's the difference in, in thought process here. Business process analyst. Now, they're talking about somebody that requires this clearance and everything. That that in itself is, you know, indicative of a consultant-based company and everything. Now, here's the difference between somebody that could potentially be a security-based um, supporter and everything, rather than, um, you know, somebody like Booz Allen. So, this one, well, the the qualifications they say is a uh, as a member of the DHS Department of Health Services National Cyber Exercise and Planning Program, um, build realistic, challenging, and relevant exercise scenarios. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is there's a difference between reactive um, information, you know, which is uh, in intelligence gathering and everything, versus proactive information gathering. Now, reactive, there's a lot of information that's out there, you know, and uh, all that information, um, if you're looking for and trying to analyze what's true and what's not based on the information that's out there, um, you're going to be walking around in circles and trying to figure out things for the rest of your life until you actually start realizing you choose what's real. It really is that simple. From an intelligence gathering perspective, you choose choose what to believe is true. Now, the whole purpose of, of this um, cyber planning exercise and everything, they've actually done this a couple times, and if you're not familiar with the uh, blackout that happened, oh, it was the entire power grid. There was a... Uh, this is actually a direct result of the team that wasn't supposed to win winning and, and, and effectively shutting down the power grid. This is actually a live exercise. And, you know, they ended up, uh, they weren't supposed to get through. They weren't expected to get through. And at this point, it caused a massive blackout in the whole East Coast and everything. So blackout for East Coast. Now, they blamed it on, yeah, 2003. <laughs> Now, they blamed this. The funny thing is they blamed it on a mouse, you know. Um, it wasn't a mouse. It, I mean, that was kind of like the analogy and everything. Um, and here's the thing. When they're doing live exercises and everything, they notify all the, all the proper agencies and everything, but they don't make it public. You know, so they have a proper chain, you know, so those that are actually supposed to be aware of these things going on are fully aware. But when it comes down to the public's awareness of this, no, fuck no, the public's not aware of it because the public's a part of a part of the planning exercises and everything. So, and uh, what I'm talking about is, um, let's say you've got nuclear power plants. Let's say you've got, um, in this case, you've got infrastructure type stuff and everything. Well, the primary goal of, of cyber exercises and planning programs is to flex, is to test out these systems in a live environment, um, making sure that those that are in authority are aware, that is the department heads, um, those that are actually, uh, that are actually uh, leading these organizations and everything, they are fully aware of what's going on, but the employees themselves are not. And the whole goal is to find vulnerabilities in, in specific segments, and at that point try to exploit those vulnerabilities. Well, for the opposing team, the one that's supposed to be defending, um, they're supposed to actually have a uniform defense at pretty much all the time and everything, and they're supposed to be digging into this stuff. So uh, the goal for the you know for the organizations uh, that are responsible for breaking in, 
you know, they're just there to basically say, hey, you know, what, what possible ways can we get in with the current state of technology and the awareness of information that's out there and everything? What possible ways can we get in to shut down the power grid in some cases? What, what possible ways can we, um, oh, do anything from controlling lights to um, turning off sewer systems and, you know, causing chaos in general in, a, in some cities and, and harboring areas and everything. And, and that's kind of their goal. Isn't necessarily to shut down um, critical, you know, su shut down something and cause a meltdown, you know, like uh, Chernobyl or something like that. Um, that would be, you know, something clearly you wouldn't want to do in a live exercise and everything. Although I had heard that Chernobyl was a direct result of Russian live exercises that uh, um, ended up not quite working like they're supposed to. A lot of these things that are accidents are truly accidents, um, but they're kind of like uh, them trying to actually, you know, test themselves and believing that they had the capability to be able to secure, secure their own facilities. In this case, they did. But, uh, in this case here, what ended up happening was they, you know, the uh, the team that was uh, trying to break through, they did. They found a a tiny little uh, is one of these remote facilities, and they ended up uh, getting in access through that. And at that point, once they did that, they ended up shutting down the empower, entire power grid for the East Coast and everything. So, most countries um, go through the same processes and everything. This is kind of the reason the United States does it, just basically to safeguard things. How can we actually test ourselves to, you know, to make sure that we're on top of our game, you know, and um, especially, you know, trying to um, make sure that we have no loss of life from it. Um, unfortunately, minimal loss of life is, is also something that is considered based on the level of uh, concern, you know, of the threats and everything that are possibly arising from it. <coughs> so, in, in any case, CACI, I'm not familiar with this organization or anything like that, but this actually sounds like a legitimate job, business process analyst, you know, just because they're being more proactive in nature. <laughs> they're trying to go through this whole discovery process and everything. But in any case, um, here's the thing. I go through this, this kind of stuff and I get... I don't know who signed me up for ZipRecruiter. I've been getting these emails on a daily basis, and it's just like, it's the same old shit. I mean, really, it's it's kind of boring stuff, you know? So, I don't know. I'm just, like, really going, okay. You know, what... I, I don't know. You know, I'm just at the point where it's just like... You know, whether or not it's, it's quote-unquote normal jobs. I've got another dude that's been sending me messages, Davis Cock last nice last name and everything but it's just um i i'm getting these things that it's just like it's everything is looking the same um i mean this is from a different perspective i've got a life coaching background i've also got to training in neuro linguistic programming in lp and um, apparently he picked up on this he keyed in on this and uh, he's he's got a list of uh, different opportunities uh, quote unquote opportunities here nurse practitioner which i have absolutely no experience for no nor do i want to and there's several three different positions on this list for him, for that um, college admissions coach uh, which i have no desire to do private equity fundraising analyst yeah i'm going to go and analyze somebody else's finances to make money for them and then turn around and get a paycheck at the end of the day. Yeah, that sounds interesting. No. You know, it's just like media coordinator, marketing. Hmm. Assistant coach, Rutgers University. 
Yeah, like I'd be a good coach. Private Wealth Solutions, Client Engagement Lead, Digital Marketing, Blackstone Group, Clusterfuck, Visual Practitioner. Okay, what's this one? Oh, Psychiatry and Physician's Assistant. You know, and here's the thing, it's just like... It's... Here's the problem that I'm having right now. I'm not interested in making a paycheck. I'm not interested in barely getting by anymore. I'm not interested in living paycheck to paycheck. I am not interested in... In, I mean, I, I had enough money and everything that I'd saved up before that I believed that I'd be retired, and to some degree you may call this retirement and everything, but this isn't what I had in mind. And the way I look at it is, I don't mind working. But what I want at the end of the day, you know, when I go through for a job and everything, you know, is, is to... Hold on. I think my dad's back. No. I want to... I want to be able to um, go out and not even think about money. Go out and buy a car outright. Pay cash for it if I get the whim. I want to be able to take off on a weekend and everything and not have to... (laughs) And not only that... But take off in my own private jet and go over to whatever country I want to, Paris or or Australia. I want to be able to custom build my own house. <coughs> pay some contractors. Pay an architect that inspires me. Tell them what I'm looking for. I want a, a river that runs through my house. I want, um, I don't know, some state-of-the-art design and everything. I want pictures that uh, are three-dimensional, based on my design and everything. I'll uh, get to that design in a second. I want a big, huge, plush fucking couch that I lay down on that's comfortable. And I could watch my big, huge screen TV on the side side of the wall and play Xbox if I want to. I want a helipad on top of my house. I want a boat ramp like Bill Gates has. And be able to go out, jump on a boat. Just a little, you know, bayliner or something like that. Maybe something a little bit bigger. Just go for a tour. Just breathe in the air and everything off of a lake. I want to be able to fly that helicopter. I also want to be able to afford the training and the insurance for it, too. Not have to worry about it. I want to be able to dent my car and not fucking worry about it. I want to be able to buy a house for a friend just because I can. I want to be able to have my own custom yacht made. And I want to do the research for it and tell the yacht builder, take this and this and this and this 
provide me with some designs. We're going to go through this process back and forth and everything for quite a while until I land on a design. But when I land on that design, you know I'm going to be committed to it. So I'm not going to pick the first thing that you actually show me. I'm going to go through and I'm going to I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to tell you some more desires and everything. I'm going to think about it. You may want to have other clients at the same time. <clears throat> I want to build a real TARDIS. A real time traveling relative dimension in space and time. I want to be able to commission investigation of alternate realities. I want to have a TV that I can change the channel to look at alternate realities. And I want to have specific labels for the alternate realities. This one's the naked world. This one's the violent world. This one's the... I don't know. Come up with different uh, labeling schemes and everything. I mean, you've got the whole Star Trek universe, you've got the Marvel universe, you've got all these different universes and everything. You know, but what if we were to look at the Marvel universe in an alternate reality where they just don't wear uniforms? You know, um, is it, you know, um, what's it going to be like? You know, um, what if there's another Marvel universe where they. They don't fight. Is you know what what kind of content would be created with people with superpowers, and it's still a Marvel comic book universe that's there to inspire the population, but they don't have superpowers. What does that look like? I don't know. The naked one just kind of intrigues the fuck out of me because I've never seen anything like it. I think it's kind of funner. I've seen it in hentai and everything, but. That's the whole thing. I want to build a subatomic camera that three-dimensionally I can actually have fly to any position that I want to around the world and be undetected and just watch people listen. Eavesdrops on conversations, go to places that I shouldn't be be going to. I mean, yeah, Area 51 is certainly one of the places I would go check out. You know, but uh, I would actually make it a fact to go tour to, uh, you know, China and that kind of stuff. I want to build, and to have commission built, a real-time text interpreter. Speech-to-text interpreter that actually takes the, the, uh, the whatever language I'm listening to provides a real time real time translation for it. That's something I can actually probably build myself. I don't know. I mean I look at somebody like um Tony Stark. And um while I appreciate Iron Man, the whole concept of that and that kind of stuff and everything, you know, um and I love the dude's sense of humor and his you know, his sense of style and everything. You know, I wouldn't want to be him, but I'd actually want to call that guy, along with Richard Branson, my best friends. Just because I dig them so much. I mean, I, I think they're offbeat, they're weird. And to be able to one-up the shit that each one does. I mean, Richard Branson, you know, climbing on top of a hot air balloon to have dinner and everything. That's fucking classic. I mean, that's just fucking awesome. So... Um, 
you know, I don't know. And, and that's the whole thing for me. Looking at jobs like professional life coach, this is shit that I've done my entire life. I've been subservient. I've been serving other people my entire life. Providing for other people my entire fucking life. <laughs> Providing services and helping other people make money. But in the meantime, me? Sure, I had a couple bucks in the bank, but when it came down to it, I always had this concern, this fear, and that fear became reality. I don't like that. I like the idea of being able to just simply enjoy life and not have to concern myself with my bank account and where the next paycheck is going to come from and whether or not it's going to continue coming. You know, my dependence on money has really been kind of something that's, you know, I mean, that's that's something that's common with this world. Everybody, everybody that I'm aware of, at least that I've met, depends on money to be able to achieve the things they do. They can't live without that paycheck. You know, me? I don't know. I want something different. I watch Sabrina on a regular basis, and she snaps her fingers, and she's constantly doing things. And I love Sabrina, the teenage witch, the old 1999 version and everything. And it's just making me, you know, it's putting a smile on my face every day as I'm watching it. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at things going, okay, you know, let's consider this as a part of reality. You know, and um, there's, there's beings out there that have the capability to be able to do this. Now, I, from my perspective, um, may not share the same perspective and, and mindset as these people and everything. And, and aloofness, the ability to be able to let things roll off you without concern or anything like that. You know, maybe I'm just, you know, it's just the way my mind is wired and everything. And I'm trying to, you know, change that wiring and everything gradually. You know, just understanding and appreciating where I come from and everything in the process. You know, but uh, the way I look at it is, it's just like, I, I like the idea, you know, of being able to go down to a Ferrari dealership, you know, and uh, going for a test drive and saying, okay, you know, I don't want all of them. I just want this one that I just drove and everything and paying cash for it right there. You know, and I take that, and it's just, that's, you know, that becomes my, my baby, you know, um, you know, I mean, something I've wanted for my entire life is a Ferrari, and it's just like, why, you know, I mean, I've always wanted one, always wanted one, I saw this restaurant over in Colorado where people cliff diving off the third floor in, in the interior, and uh, Denver, which is very cold and everything, has this restaurant where, you know, they have cliff divers that actually jump, you know, and uh, it's either three or four stories up and everything from the top, and uh, they just dive into this pool and everything, and this is, you know, part of the restaurant's theme and everything. I always thought that was pretty cool and everything, but that's actually what I want, is like the... the uh, I'm not talking about an endless, well, maybe an endless supply of money. An endless supply of money and also resources to be able to fund and fuel and create these things, you know, and send people out to actually go do these things. You know, so in this case here, you know, when it comes down to that, it's just like, hey, I've got an idea for a theme park. Um, I know where I want that theme park. I want to buy up the old land that was Legend City and everything um, over in Phoenix, and I want to make a fully functional theme park over in the heart of Phoenix, and um, 
and and the goal here is to actually have it be climate controlled you know um something i've never heard of anybody doing outside you know and uh that climate control doesn't necessarily change and alter the environment around it just in this one isolated area and everything and uh that climate control you know um can allow you to go to this theme park in the middle of phoenix and experience magic things that are so far advanced scientifically that it appears like it's magic and that's to some degree what uh, what disney did walt disney did to have the money to be able to fund this not only that but fund the fund the research on this you know send you know a couple scientists and say hey here's what i want you to develop you know i've got a friend stanley um i would love to tell stanley hey dude you know i've got some artificial intelligence and everything i want you to create for some of the some of the anim animatronics and next level next generation animatronics I want to be able to create some more of these, you know, but I want them to have them be lifelike. I want them to be, you know, to look like androids and everything. I want them to be like Westworld style, you know, androids and everything. No, I don't want you to kill them. You know, I want them to, you know, to, to, to some degree, potentially fit in with the landscape and everything. I want them to be indistinguishable in a lot of cases, you know, from the, from the real thing, you know. I, and not only that, but I also like the idea of, of them learning, you know, in the same, you know, in a similar fashion that humans do. Can we do this? You know, um, what level can I take, um, you know, was it to machine learning, you know, too, and everything. Um, other magical things, too. You know, the ability to create matter, you know, and make it so where, I, there's so many different things. You know, oh, bigger on the inside. That's one thing I want to do. The big, huge effect within, um, the TARDIS and the um, within Doctor Who is a capability to be able to have inside of a police box, and I'm talking this is no bigger than an old style phone booth and everything that Superman used to get in, into and out of. Inside of that is a completely different room, and not only that, but it's also the size of a mile, you know, in diameter and everything on the interior. Now you walk you walk into it you know and as you're walking through it, it's like you're walking into a doorway into a completely different world. I love the idea of funding the research projects for this and everything, you know, saying hey, how is it knowing what knowing the science that we have right now and everything, we take science to the next level to be able to create these things, you know, and uh, not only that but also have it appearing natural. You know, not not like it's a contortion or perversion of science, but having it work within the environment just like what Walt Disney did. That's the one impressive thing that Walt Disney did to me. He made it possible to basically take known science and known methods and let my mind have the capability to be able to take a, a, take a seat back and try to figure out how he did what he did. You know, and but at the same time, always leaving doubt in my mind because it didn't necessarily it didn't answer all the questions. He made it a fact to build a theme park that made it so I couldn't answer all the questions with everything I thought I knew about science. It's like a magician on stage and everything, the type of magician that will put on nine acts and each one of them is just like you can scientifically explain until he makes that car disappear literally right in front of you. Now everything up until that point was a fucking act and you know it. 
But when I saw Lance Burton make DeLorean disappear, boom, that quickly, right in front of me. At that point, I knew real magic existed. But I also knew that that magic wasn't magic, it was science. Science that I didn't fully understand. And the same thing held true, you know, for the magic that I could present in a theme park and everything. And this is a thing. I'm not going to acquire the funding and the resources to be able to achieve this through a nurse practitioner's job. Flat out. You know, it'll take me a hundred thousand, you know, maybe a million years to be able to achieve that. I'm not going to be able to do it through a media coordinator marketing. Particularly when my resources at the end of the day at the end of that month or attempt. I'm never going to be able to acquire the funding to be able to achieve the, the kind of you know, desires I want to be able to achieve in this lifetime. And I realized that, you know, with the dead-end things that were going on, while sure I was acquiring funding, at all times I was being insisted that I, I don't spend it, and by the time this ended up happening, I had it all taken away from me too. And this is the problem with the existing financial system and how it backfires on me. It doesn't matter what I financially make. It really doesn't make a difference. If I'm living a paycheck to paycheck and everything, I tuck some of that away, you know, and try to get to the point where basically I'm not concerned about finances and I can go out and buy that 737 just because I feel like it. You know, um, ultimately, you know, um, somebody somewhere will find a way to take it away from me with the current way the system is rigged. And, and rest assured, it is rigged. You know, um, you've got the promise of, of money that can actually, you know, go to you, you know, if you, if you pay for the lottery. Do you really ever win the lottery? No, they show these happy, wonderful people and everything on TV, you know, leading you to believe that somebody out there that looks like you wins, but they never really do. State of technology allows them to digitize this and basically make it so where you keep on chasing that hamster wheel and keep on doing that as long as you possibly can until you are absolutely tapped of every resource that you possibly have. And at that point, there's no expectations that you're ever going to stop doing that. <laughs> That's what I realized. Well, for me, it's just like I've stopped. You know, um, I look at somebody like Bill Gates and I say, you know what? Or Steve Jobs or what is it, um, some of these other dudes. I don't want to be them, but I want to be like them. Tony Stark. I don't want to be him. But I want to be like him. I want to. I want to tell my own story. I want to. You know. I mean. Eventually, get to the point of basically um, having Q-like powers and capabilities and being able to snap things into existence and everything. But one of the milestones of getting to that point is still raising myself up, preferably with the assistance of others and everything, to start doing some of these these what I consider things that these people that do have money don't seem to do. That's kind of the weird thing. I mean, with the exception of Richard Branson, you know, like I said, you know, and the other people that are, you know, for some reason fictionalized on a, re on a regular basis, why the fuck aren't more people actually taking the time to enjoy their wealth? Eh, maybe that's what I gotta look for, is evidence of people enjoying their wealth. So, answer my own question, right? Anyways, um, 
Wow, I went on that tangent for a little while today. Um, but looking at those jobs and everything, it's just like, the, the, that's all they are, is jobs. They're not opportunities. They're jobs. They're work. They're not fun. They're um, what I consider transitions. Transitions to the mindset that I'm actually starting to get into right now, which is basically, I deserve more. You know, we all deserve more, but I know I deserve more with the shit that I've been through. You know, I deserve, you know, the the wealth, uh, the Bill Gates wealth. You know, I deserve, you know, the freedom, you know, that to some degree it offers. And I'm, when I refer to freedom, I'm referring to the financial freedom to be able to pick and choose and basically say this, this, and this I want. And I don't want the obligations, you know, that I had before where... Sure, I had those capabilities, but I also was acquiring debt at the same time, and I was stressing myself the fuck out because of it, too. I don't want that. I want things free and clear. I want to be able to point at things and say, that yacht, this boat, this, you know, you, as a resource and everything, I want you to go do this and everything, and come back to me with the results and everything. You know, I, I will pay you those paychecks and everything, but at the end of the day and everything, if you don't, if you don't perform like I want you to, Boom, you're out of here. I'm going to replace you with somebody else that can do what I ask you to. It's not that hard. You know, so, and that's actually what I'm interested in getting to. You know, I, I don't want to be a company owner per se, but when it comes down to it, you know, and, and, and because of those those perceived obligations and and requirements and everything that I thought 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 that accompanied with it. No, I don't want that. What I want is I want to have the financial freedom to be able to own a company outright. And when I tell somebody what to do, they ask me how high. You know, when I ask them to jump. You know, when I tell them and I direct them to, you know, to go get this material or whatever, I don't want to have to ask for fucking permission. That's actually one of the things that annoyed me about Prudential and everything. I mean, here I am genuinely trying to help people out, you know, over in Asia and everything by, you know, making the uh, connections faster for Singapore and Hong Kong, you know, $5,000, you know, trying to get a, approval for that. I had to go through the fucking vice president in order to get that approval. I'm a fucking director. Why the fuck do I have to have fucking approval for doing something right for something as paltry as $5,000, which is a drop in the bucket, you know, to the rest of the organization's finances? I don't want that. I do want the responsibility of a company. I've come to that determination. What I don't want is the financial obligations that's expected to come with it. Because I want to have the finances to not be obliged to anything other than just simply paying people what, what they're, you know, what, what they're owed. You know, for the work that they've just performed. And if I don't want their labor anymore, I'll point them to the door. It's not like I'm looking to avoid responsibility and everything. I'm just trying to avoid the financial ties and obligations in a stress that actually came with it before. If I want a prostitute, call them up. I don't think about, you know, the hundred dollars at all. You know, or the five hundred, or or the five thousand for the high quality ones. I don't think about it. I just do it. 
I hire somebody that's a developer or something like that. <laughs> you want 300000 a year for your labor and everything? The market's 200000 Okay, does your shit stink? Potentially. But what value do I have in what it is that you offer? And you offer to the collective population around you. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk about things. You know, I'm just basically saying I look at Bill Gates. I don't respect the dude. I absolutely respect the dude. You know, he's brought something to market, and he continues bringing something to market that's actually made a huge difference to the world and everything, to my world especially. But when it comes down to it, what he's what he continues doing now that he's acquired that that uh, you know that pad of wealth and everything, in my opinion, isn't contributing to my world. It's making my world worse. You know, this whole fight for malaria or you know education or or that kind of stuff. You educate. You don't indoctrinate. You educate by providing experiences to people. So, in any case, this is where, in my opinion, Bill Gates is failing and continues to fail. And it doesn't mean he hasn't provided. You know, he certainly has. You know, but now, it's just like he's not. Sure, he reads a book here and there, but publicizes that. But what really is he doing to set an example for people on what a person is? And what a person of wealth is? Charity aside, I mean, don't get me wrong, the do-gooder charity thing and everything has its place. But not all the fucking time. What else can he do? I mean, take some of that creativity, you know, that that money can buy, you know, even if you don't have it yourself, and hire creatives. Inspire them. Give them the funding they need in order to be able to pursue the things that they dream about if you can't do it yourself. And don't judge them when they're not doing exactly what you expect them to. Especially as an analytical mind. Your analytical mind may not be able to understand the creative processes and understand that there may not be an ROI on creative work altogether. But for the one in a hundred investments that do have it does have an ROI, it'll prove itself more valuable to you. It's my belief anyways than the other that you spent your money on. All it takes is one. Let's look at Google. So, in any case, um, over the last couple days, uh, completely different topic here, over the last couple days, I've actually gone through and uh, made some major modifications after finishing Watch Dogs 2 to Grand Theft Auto again. And I'm playing with, toying with the concept of... Uh, of how to actually make Watch Dogs 2 a visceral experience. Now, I played with the Kinect, and I did a little bit of Kinect hacking back in when it first came out and everything, and hooked it up to my computer and played with USB and the motion sensing and everything and uh, spatial positioning type stuff and everything. So I thought, okay, now if I can actually hook this up to a gaming environment and everything, aka Grand Theft Auto, since I'm doing modifications, what can I get Grand Theft Auto to do? Well. Uh, so so far, I've done two things. Um, one is um, is facial recognition. 
So I've, I've done uh, software in something called .NET, which is C-sharp. The C-sharp is the language that I'm using and everything for it. And uh, I've got something called scripthook.net that I've plugged into Grand Theft Auto, which more or less it does something called memory injection. It injects itself into the Grand Theft Auto process that allows me to actually create .NET DLLs, which could subsequently mess with and alter Grand Theft Auto, hack it on a real-time basis. Well, long story short, getting away from the technical, uh, what I've done is I've made it so where Grand Theft Auto will recognize my face. And here's what I've done. Um, I, there's actually a place called Vinewood, which is very similar to Hollywood, and there's a, a sign. And that sign, um, it's it's a lot like the Hollywood sign that appears over in real, real world Hollywood. Uh, what I've done is I can actually create a detached camera, and that camera I can float freely anywhere I want to. So imagine that you've got a drone um, that's actually a quadrocopter, and that quadrocopter can float around XYZ coordinates anywhere that you want to. So you want to float it over a building over in downtown San Francisco, you want to float it over a building um, or over a park in Studio City. Um, it can move around based on your positional access information, maybe that you're leveraging through a remote control. Well, I'm doing kind of the same thing. I've got a camera. This camera exists in, two, in a three-dimensional space and everything. Um, I can maneuver this camera anywhere I want to within the Grand Theft Auto game without actually having my player physically be there. And this camera, um, I can move around and position anywhere, and I can have it look in any direction that I want to. Well, what I've done is I've actually placed this camera right in front of the Vinewood sign to put the Vinewood sign in complete view. It's a massive sign. It's 50 foot tall letters. Um, it's about, uh, I'd say, 300 foot width altogether for the whole Vinewood thing, and it's on the top of a mountain. And what I've done is I've backed the camera up maybe uh, about three quarters of a mile, and uh, I point it at that Vinewood sign. And what I've done is I've made it so where my camera on my computer tracks my facial my face through facial recognition and at this point it'll actually do a translation um, and it does this all through the .NET the C sharp code that I ended up uh, creating and it does this in the inside um, Grand Theft Auto so where when I actually move my head left to right or right to left or whatever up or down, the camera inside Grand Theft Auto will physically track the movements and reposition itself accordingly to based on where I'm acting, I'm, I'm looking. Now, the whole goal of this is to make it so where um, there's a, uh, in Day of the Doctor and Doctor Who, there's a, uh, a three-dimensional painting, and that three-dimensional painting tracks the movements of those that are actually, well, I don't know how it does it in, inside this, you know, proverbial world and everything. But um, what it does is it's a three-dimensional painting, so you can actually walk up to the painting, and depending on where you walk, it'll change the, pers the perspective of the painting changes based on where you are, so you actually see depth. It's like looking into a curio cabinet, only the curio cabinet's much bigger on the inside. You know, so you could look at the picture of a mountain, and a mountain may be, you know, like the Matterhorn, 15,000 feet tall, where instead, you know, you've got it as st at the size of a painting, it's five foot, 
and when you walk two foot to the left, um, your perspective changes as if your camera has just moved maybe 2,000 feet to the left. Um, when you walk four feet back to the right, you know, going two feet to, uh, right of center, um, at that point it's, it's moved another additional 2,000 or 4,000 feet off of that center. Let's say one foot is equivalent to 1,000 feet, you know, when you're outside the camera and everything. So this is actually, you know, for me, you know, kind of the fun of it. It's just like, how can I recreate that entire, you know, the, the camera and the way that work, the way that three-dimensional painting works in in this world and everything. And I did. And what it what happens is I detect my face and that my face relative to the the screen itself, um, when I move my face, the camera itself does physically change inside the Grand Theft Auto. Now I've got some problems with precision and the problems that, uh, another problem with depth. So I'm not sensing depth that well uh, with it. So I've got to figure out uh, how to do that a little bit better. Um, I can actually gauge if the uh, the rectangle changes in in physical size and that kind of stuff, but that's not a, not a great way to do it. So I'm trying to think of other ways to achieve this effect and everything. Um, and uh, I might actually break out with a connect and do it leveraging the connect because the the connect actually has true depth sensing capabilities to it. So what I'll probably do is uh, is basically if you've got uh, um, two two two-dimensional uh, or two three-dimensional spaces, um, one three-dimensional space exists within the three-dimensional other the other three-dimensional space, and uh, one is simply scaled. Um, and that's how I'm looking at it. So let's say I'm looking at um, I'm actually going to hook this up to my TV and everything, and uh, let's say I'm looking at uh, at a mountain and everything. And that that three-dimensional space that I'm looking at, you know is scaled uh, by a factor of let's just say it's a 300 to 1 based on my position and uh, size and everything. Well, when I move, you know, um, like I said before, it's it's not that much different than the mountain and everything. So that 300 to 1 scale based on my, my position and everything um, inside the TV will move an equivalent of 300 to 1 for every foot that I actually move and everything. So I think my dad's here. Let me check real quick. Yep. Okay, I'm going to continue with the uh, the last part of the uh, conversation. I was talking about the uh, modifications I made to uh, Grand Theft Auto. I'm going to continue with the conversations that I was having the last time I was uh, talking. Um, when I was concerning the uh, modifications that I made to uh, Grand Theft Auto, now what I ended up what I ended up doing was um, I also ended up uh, I also ended up um, capturing uh, voice commands, and uh, that's actually something else I ended up making changes to. Was it now Grand Theft Auto actually uh, at least it's the modified version that I have. I, it responds to a limited set of uh, voice commands. And uh, that's actually kind of fun, you know, getting your character to respond specifically to the voice commands that are issued. So the, and I have to program for each one. So basically, each time I program it to respond to a voice command, I, I have to receive the text in a voice format. I, that gets translated to text. That text that then gets matched against the specific action, and that action at that point is taken by the respective character that uh, is in context at this point. And right now, um, because of the sequence of events and because of how how much it requires me to go through 
and program each specific sequence and everything. And it's not straightforward to to get each one to work. For instance, uh, jump. Um, jump was an easy one. It's one of the first ones that I implemented. There's nine different commands that I have inserted so far. Um, I've separated them out. So one's teleportation commands. Um, the other one's um, commands to the character. And the last are emotes. And I, I plan on having a whole variety of different commands in here. And uh, the goal is to actually make it so where it fits in um, to the character. So if I can't, uh, I'm having a problem with the teleportation, for instance. If um, I've got uh, four different locations, one's home, the other one's to the Vinewood sign. If you've played the, the game, you'd understand. The other one's to the beach, and the other one's to the airport. And when I say home, boom, teleports instantly to to the uh, to the character's home. Um, and uh, it's to Michael's home. There's three different uh, primary characters, so saying home um, doesn't should result in uh, it going to, if you're Michael, should we go, result to going to Michael's home. If you're uh, Trev Trevner or Trevor, um, it should result to going to his home and so on. And, um, but uh, it doesn't. So that's one thing I've got to fix. But first is I've got to fix a problem, fix a couple problems that are occurring with it. So one problem is it uh, teleports to just above ground level. Um, because if I actually teleport to ground level, there's a problem if I teleport to a location and I teleport to ground level. Um, this is there's something called the collision map, and that collision map isn't um, is is loaded. Um, but it may not be loaded at the same time I actually placed my character pos position there. And as a result, if that collision map is not, uh, is not loaded, what happens is my character literally falls right through the terrain and keeps on falling. So, and it's kind of, I mean, it's really irritating. You know, so you get to a location like the beach, and all of a sudden, boom, he's not on the beach, he's underneath the beach, or he's falling into the the terrain if I tell him to, you know, teleport to his house. All of a sudden, he's under the house, and you see everything from underneath the house and everything. So it's kind of a pain in the ass, but uh, it is what it is. So... Anyways, um, I'm going to find a way, I'd like to find a way to be able to get the teleportation to work. Um, maybe adding some special effects in for, to have a per perception of, uh, I can actually have latency there. You know, so the special effects will allow me to create a little artistic effect in everything as the scenery loads. And as that scenery loads, um, at that point the collision map will load. And because of the latency with the special effect, rather than having it be instantaneous, instead there's a little special effect that allows me to load that scenery in and not have the problem with the teleportation actually resulting in you being below ground. Now one way I've actually resolved it for now is teleporting um, about, uh, about five feet off the ground. And that five feet buys me the capability to be able to ha be sure that that loads, on at least on my machine. But if you're on a slower machine, it's not going to, you know, I mean, I don't know how it's going to work and everything. So, you know, for me, it's just like I'm, I'm more focused on getting it to work on my machine than anything. So um, the teleportation above ground level does work. But, you know, the problem is, I mean, how would you like to teleport? And every time you're teleporting, you're you land or you're five feet above the ground and you're you're falling you know every time you know, you teleport that would kind of be a pain in the ass right so 
anyways, I'm trying to actually have it natural, so I'm going to be toying with that one a little bit. So those are four different locations that you can teleport to, and that's, you know, so I just, I say home or vine one side or beach or airport, and I'll teleport instantly to those locations. Um, the other, uh, the four commands in the command list for the character are jump, sit, stand, and kneel. And uh, I, I have a problem with those as well. So the jump always jumps forward, and I would hope it jump in place. So I've got to find a way to jump up rather than jump forward. Um, the sit, um, the sit works, um, but the problem is the transition is not seamless. It's not smooth. So he, uh, so if I tell him to sit, what happens is he'll instantly straighten up into a standing position. It'll be instant, so it's very unnatural, and uh, it'll it at that point actually transition to the stand to a standing position and then from there he'll actually sit down and everything and if I transition out of that by telling him to stand or kneel or whatever what happens at that point is it ends up um, it, it, it's equally as unnatural because I'll tell him to to kneel and at that point he'll jump immediately to a standing position and then go to to a sitting position and it's almost like a teleportation so he goes directly from a sit he teleports into a stand position or transforms it's immediate there's no latency whatsoever and then he goes into a kneel position from there and it's just like this isn't what you would see in the real world so I, I'm gonna have to f play with that a little bit as well and uh, the last one is cheer that I've added and uh, this is all spoken voice commands and everything and uh, the cheer works marvelously you know he claps his hands and he cheers with his hands above his head and everything and each one of these is voice activated so I'm not pressing any keys on the keyboard um, I will be posting these links on YouTube and everything so for both of these uh, mods that I've made and um, I mean, I'll probably end up posting them on gta-mods.com and everything, just so I can actually, you know, publicize some of my work and everything. But, you know, the uh, the thing for me is I'm I, I'm not looking for well. I'd like to get it out there, and I'd like it to be actually working well, to be seamless transitions and everything, to, you know, to have a little fun with it and everything, but to basically say, hey, this is a finished product that I can actually, you know, that I'll use on a regular basis. Now there's one other that I mentioned um, that I may not, may not have mentioned that uh, that actually does the um, the voice commands and a traditional trainer type stuff. So it's just uh, you can teleport a car to you, you can um, kill pedestrians, you can load yourself up with firearms and everything. But there's nothing that's character oriented, and that's actually what I'm looking for: is things that you otherwise cannot do in the game. Um, even through other trainers and that kind of stuff that you cannot do that easily in a game. And uh, just a way to augment the experience that you have leveraging the keyboard and the mouse. You know, I'm not looking to eliminate the keyboard and the mouse. Um, I'm not looking for an alternative method to do the same exact things that you do with the keyboard. Um, I'm looking for something that, you know, let's say you're running and you say you yell jump and boom, your character jumps while you're running. You know, that that's actually what I'm looking for, is things that, uh, that you can actually do, um, commands that you can say and everything that you don't have to memorize a whole bunch of keystrokes for. You know, sure, the keystrokes might make it a little bit easier, you know, if you memorize all the keystrokes, but, you know, to, to say home, you know, just 
boom, you go home at that point, you know, to say, you know, stand or kneel or cheer, you know, these things are pretty obvious and everything. Um, one thing I've also realized is because it is very, very touchy to the phrases and the text that I'm using and everything, and it's constantly misinterpreting words and everything already, and I've only got nine words in there. I'm probably going to do character-based directives. So if it, uh, you know, for instance, I'll say, Michael, jump. And uh, at that point, you know, I'll make sure that uh, it's got Michael's in context and and jump, you know, and uh, Michael, when I, it's only when you say jump or Michael combined with jump, at that point, Michael will jump and everything. So, anyways, um, yeah, that's it. You know, I just want to enhance the keyboard experience or, or the uh, the game experience and everything. And not only that, but see what I can do with it, too. So, with that said, a um, couple of the other things. So, let's say I'm actually developing a real world here. There's a couple things that, uh, that I've noticed within the game itself. And one of them in particular is uh, the the AI behavior for the uh, characters and everything. So, one thing I've noticed a, a lot within the game is um, the tra traffic and the pedestrians do a really, really, really great job at appearing what I consider to be um, realistic, lifelike to some degree. You know, they obey red lights, they stop at uh, red lights, they um, don't always tr use their turn signals, or they don't use their turn signals. Hold on, I'm behind a guy, he's in the left lane, let's check it out. There is a mod that actually does turn signals, remember thing. So, that's one thing I've thought of, is just, um, you know, increasing the dynamicness of the experience and everything is possible with existing mods. Now, my goal with this is to is to own all the source code for the modifications that I make. So I may look to other mods for ideas, but ultimately I will craft my own mod in order to enhance this experience. And it might be based on mods that exist out there. You know, so Grand Theft World that I'm actually making modifications to, you know, any modifications I do is going to be, you know, created specifically by me using my code and everything. Um, now, one of the things I noticed just recently in the uh, game is actually pretty cool, is uh, the staticness of cars. I can actually take a car, I can park it someplace, and I can go all the way on the other side of the map, and then come back, and it's, uh... <coughs> It, it's actually still there. Now that's actually new. That that there was a specific mod that did that, and fortunately, Rockstar has since implemented this, or whoever has implemented this and everything. And uh, that that I give them kudos for. Now one thing I want to see big time is a unique identifier for the individuals that are actually within this within this. So I want to be able to. I want to be able to create friendships, create relationships with these characters. And uh, with this, I need some form of unique identifier to be able to, uh, to mask people by. Now, right now, if I look at the character, um, I'm going to go to the GTA has a library. They've got a player. And if I look specifically, what's going on with my references? Oh, I killed my references. Um, if I look at player, the uh, the player 
doesn't have an ID associated with them. They've got a handle, if I'm not mistaken. But, let me open up Grand Theft Auto. There we go. Scripts. I'm, like I said, I'm replaying it and I'm doing it differently than I did before. And uh, one of the goals of this replay is to just make sure that uh, I, I really get an idea. Just I want to I want to firmly understand what it is I'm playing with here. You know, I I want to develop this world. I like the idea of developing this world. You know, between this and Watch Dogs 2, each one I think is beautiful in their own right. You know, but how how do I move forward making these modifications and everything? You know, what do I do? So, let's reload this project. Say so, yes, save it. File open, project solution, recent, what the heck, recent projects. There we go. My references were all screwed up. So if I go into GTA Player, do I have access? Where is it? There it is, game player, my bad, character. So the character as an object, I'm going to go through these things, is a player type class. But that character is something referred to as a ped, and it's an entity. Does the entity have an ID with it? The entity has... I'm looking for a unique identifier on that character. There's a model. Problem is the model, and this is actually something I was talking to my mom about yesterday. So let's say, um, and here's an example. Let's say you're American, you're Caucasian. You take a trip to China. Now, you don't speak the language. Let's say you've got somebody that helps you out quite a bit and everything while you're there. Now, you don't, you know, somehow he helps you. Maybe he feeds you or something like that. You know, but uh, let's say, you know, he doesn't speak your language. You don't speak his. And you have no way of knowing your name, knowing his name. So, you assign the ID, the name to him. Let's say it's Joe. Now, Joe to you looks Chinese. Now, with this, it's just like, you know, unfortunately, most of the Chinese look the same, too. You know, so as you're walking down the street and everything, you see a man that looks like Joe. Then you see another man that looks like Joe. Well, you know they're not all Joe. You know, at least that's what you tell yourself and everything. You know, but uh, each man looks the same. They look like Joe and everything. And uh, the only way that you know Joe is Joe you know, is because when he comes to give you something and everything, and uh, in a general sense, Joe dresses like just like these 15 other people that you saw out there while you were out and about and everything. Well, that's kind of a problem, you know. So here in America, you know, fortunately, we have a lot of people that dress differently. Um, we have different tattoos. We have different uh, different hairstyles. We have different um, facial features. We have different weights. 
you know, um, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of personally, uniquely identifying characteristics and everything per the individual that makes it very, very easy for you from an image basis and everything to recognize and to distinguish um, one person from the other. And uh, in particular, you know, there's some other telling characteristics about each individual as well. You know, each one has a name. Um, each one has a social security card. Um, you know, especially, I mean, if they're a U.S. citizen, each one has a um, driver's license if they drive. They have various other forms of ID as well. I mean, it could be anything from a book card for a library, any number of different forms of identification everything. But uh, in China, it's not quite the same way. You know, you can ask Joe for his ID, and Joe may say, I don't have an ID, I don't drive. You know, um, Joe doesn't have any need for any kind of ID whatsoever. And uh, not only that, but Joe doesn't understand you. So you can't really ask him for these methods of identification or anything like that. So here's the thing. Um, when I look at uh, Grand Theft Auto, it's kind of the same way. If I can, I can actually get reference to a pedestrian and, and point out a pedestrian on the street. But if I actually want to build a relationship with it, with that pedestrian, I have nothing that actually uniquely identifies that pedestrian to me. So I've got, um, I've got a model in there. Um, I can actually set relationships with that pedestrian, but unfortunately, um, I have nothing that can I can later reference to say which relationship that I have with this pedestrian, because I don't, you know, look, particularly if this pedestrian goes out of my eyesight and out of my visual range and everything, and I come back to this pedestrian, um, you know, with the same model being reused by all these different pedestrians and everything, I can see, you know, what looks like the same pedestrian, a.k.a. Joe, 15, 20, 30 times and everything, and I know they're not all Joe, you know, but I also know that I can't uniquely identify the relationship that I have with this pedestrian and everything in GTA because I have no other means programmatically to be able to tie myself to this pedestrian. So it's almost like, you know, you meet somebody on the street. I mean, seriously, it's, it's like walking into a place, you know, a foreign country and um, you don't speak the language and everybody looks the same. Unfortunately, there's no unique methods of identification of that, you know, that individual. Now, sure, you've got clothes that you can distinguish that person by. You've got facial features and everything, you know, but in, in GTA, you've got, you know, a finite set of models, you know, maybe um, 200 max. Um, you've got a finite set of different body, body types and everything. And uh, not everybody can use the same model. Um, you've got a, a finite different set of clothes and everything. And not every model can leverage the same clothes. So there's just a very, very, very limited set. You know, and a lot of models, they, they don't interchange clothes. A lot of models are stuck to wearing certain clothes. May have three or four different wardrobes and everything. You know, so between the different models and everything, you know, let's say there's 200 models, and let's say each model has at a variance, and this is not underestimating or overestimating, underestimating or overestimating things. Let's say each model has two wardrobes. Some, many of them have only one, but let's say they have two. 
So this, this makes it so where I have, at most, variation of 400, maybe 500 different unique ways of identifying a simple character. And uh, in any given, at any given time, there's 200 um, pedestrians which, in, which are within range of my character. And if I go across the map, there's 200. If I go anywhere in the game, there's 200. And each one is very far apart, and they're not the same pedestrian. So I, I come across literally, you know, tens of thousands of different pedestrians, but each one reuses the same model. This causes a big problem. And um, one of the things I'm really interested in doing is, can I actually develop relationships, you know, and enhance and engage and, and uh, amplify the um, individuality of each of these characters, um, and just basically take it so where I can actually, you know, just try to actually obtain unique information. Now, my goal is to create a database of this. <laughs> So that way, I take these characteristics and everything that I recognize of you as an individual and everything, and um, maybe I have access to an ID directly, you know, and uh, at this point, you know, um, I've got these things that are going on and everything. So the only way I can think of right now is um, just basically saying, okay, you know, um, I can track certain things about all the pedestrians and everything that are in this area. Um, I can obtain their model. I can obtain um, whether or not they're in a car, and I can actually determine the make and model of that car. Um, I can do is in range. I've got to it's touching reset alpha. I've got um, that's that's all at the entity level. I've got where they're where they're physically at. Um, since you can't go into buildings, and none of the characters go into buildings here, with the exception of, um, you know, I mean, a gun store and that kind of stuff. There's, I can't determine where they physically live as far as an apartment's concerned or anything like that. So I've got current vehicle, current pet group. I've got a very limited set of things, and this is actually oh, I've got their gender. You know, so I can find out if they're male or female. I've got a very finite set of identifying characteristics about an individual, and I have no direct access to an ID or a or something that's uniquely identifying to them. Nothing. All I've got is just a, some basic characteristics, and um, it's no unique IDs, no names, no nothing that's associated with each one. So, I'm actually thinking, there's an int handle, public pad, int handle, and they have a handle associated with it, and I don't think the handle is... I'm going to do a search real quick. <laughs> Is there any way to uniquely identify a pedestrian in GTA 5 C sharp code? Okay, C sharp. Assign each player a unique ID. Rhyming school. Kind of an interesting, you know, interesting problem, you know, and it just basically um, here's one of the things that uh, that's really gotten to me. I was assigned a name 
you know, when when I came into this world. That name assignment, you know, is Brian. Um, but I've since called myself Q and everything. Now, I find it really, really interesting on the level of offense that some people take to my self-reassignment. You know, um, some people just outright, you know, literally want to fight me because I don't want, because I'm not accepting, you know, my quote-unquote assigned name as my primary name anymore. And uh, it's really kind of funny. It's kind of interesting and everything. And, um, you know, when it comes down to that unique name and unique ID, these are state-assigned. Well, I'm having kind of the same problem, you know, with this world here. And to some degree, it's giving me clues about what happened in this world and the state-assigned information that was actually given to me. I mean, ultimately, it's not like I'm denying what was assigned to me, but I'm also taking it and kind of making it my own and actually making a new name out of it. You know, making new identification out of it and everything. So, I don't know. It's definitely a different perspective. But, in any case, um, so that's actually one thing I'm interested in doing. The other thing, while I was driving around in that world and everything just now, I was, was something I wanted. Eh, I'm gonna drive around for a couple seconds and everything while I'm thinking about it. Yeah, memories. That's actually the, where I was going with that too. Now, in order for me to actually have individualistic memories, you know, um, I can't. What I wanted to do is basically have a character remember. Um, remember the events that my interactions with them, you know, as a character and everything. Now, that those interactions would alter, would change their behavior should I encounter them again. You know, so they will, in effect, remember what I'm doing. Well, the way I can do that is I can actually take the uniquely ident identifying information that I have with them, um, combine that with the um, you know, with the the memories, the interactions that I have with them, and at that point, that forms the memory that they have of events that happen relative to me, if that makes sense. You know, so their memories, you know, I mean, and this is from my egocentric world and everything, the experiences that they have with me will alter and influence their behaviors when they're around me. And when I'm not there, I don't know what they do. All I know is when they do come back in to my worldview, they are influenced by me because of the memories, the previous experiences that they had with me and the way that it influences them based on the events that they have with me. So that's actually what I was going to start getting into next was basically uh, starting and going through and altering patterns of behavior. Um, but that's actually one of the problems that I had was, how is it you can alter patterns of behavior around me, you know, and um, more or less, you know, just make it so where, you know, and also other characters too, because, you know, here's the thing. Let's say there's somebody that's actually a movie star in this game and everything. There's several of them. 
you know, and uh, they've got this, you know, uh, what if I can actually go through and make it so where their behavior and everything, at least when I observe it, uh, becomes something that, uh, you know, not everybody's the same and everything walking down the street. You know, um, and is it possible to change their moods? So I'm not seeing any evidence of this, of moods or anything like that. I'm going to have to play around with it a little bit, though. You know, the big thing is, can I actually uniquely identify the pedestrians, the characters, the NPCs in the game and everything? And if so, you know, that's, that's probably going to be one of the next mods that I make, is finding a way to actually capture and, you know, just modify the behaviors of things when they're interacting with me. So, anyways, I did have something else I wanted to talk about, but I, uh, I forget what it was, but, uh, the vocal behavior and that kind of stuff, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of, like, interesting to me. So, I'm trying to figure out mods, you know, things I can actually make alterations to the game, to, to this world, I should say. Not to the game, but to the world itself. You know, I'm, I'm regarding GTA as a, as a sandbox, as like an ant farm. And, uh, if I can actually make alterations to this world and everything on a dynamic basis, um, what can I do? You know, what, what changes can I make? Can I make this thing more dynamic? You know, um, what things can I do? Can I actually see it evolve in front of my eyes and everything? You know, like you see an ant farm grow and everything, and the tunnels and everything grow. Can I see, in, you know, through the poking and prodding of this, can I see the same effect here, you know, by doing the things that I'm doing? And um, can I, you know, does it have to involve me and my presence there in order for this to occur? I mean, at first I suspect it will, but you know, uh, what if uh, what if I kind of remove myself from the equation and everything, and just basically let things do what they do? You know, what happens? You know, and uh, what happens if I reinsert my, myself back in the equation? So, anyways, alien ant farms, right? That's it for tonight. Have a good night. I'm gonna add this in to um, the wish list for uh, Grand Theft Auto. Um, one thing I would love to be able to do is actually. Uh, I don't think, if I remember correctly, that when you bought a house, you can actually go in and redecorate that house and everything. Um, I'll, I'll check it out, though. But with the existing places that you have, you can't clean them up. Like, Trevor's place is a fucking mess all the time. Michael's place, you know, it's decorated in a certain way, and you can't really change decorations. I would uh, love to be able to get in and redecorate and redo things inside the houses and everything. And um, not only that, but uh, also with guests, too. Invite guests. Have guests over as friends, as as lovers and that kind of stuff. The whole, you know, sex type thing and everything. Have it all be a part of this. You know, um, unlock that those mechanisms and everything for people that are a little, a little bit more adult and just be okay with that. Um, but most of all, start with the ability to be able to individualize not just the character a little bit more, but also the um, inside Grand Theft Auto, but also their their habitation, their, their space, their living space. So, anyways, it would be cool to be able to redecorate and, hell, just clean Trevor's place. And uh, also, in a literal sense, own different places and everything. So, rent them out be able to buy and sell and that kind of stuff and everything. 
you know, actually make money inside the game world and everything. So, besides stock market and that kind of stuff. And another cool thing is actually to invest in companies, and I mean, this is taking it to the nth level and everything, but doing, eh, I mean, that's like a long ways out, but doing development inside these worlds. But it starts with individualizing it, right? Individual, individual relationships, individual, you know, living spaces, and altering of the living spaces and that kind of stuff on a quasi-permanent basis.